You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. So, really, we got to talk trumpets, noise, chauffeur, proclamations, all kinds of good stuff, but... I was in the middle of telling a great story in the last show, which I think is number 291, which means we're closing out on 300. That's a pretty big number um, because now we're up to 292. But I, I got to finish the story. So you want to get the details of the story, got to listen to the end of the last show. But I'll just sort of catch up. So in the last show, we're finishing up a story where this lady had a cake delivered to her brother. Instead of going to her brother, it was delivered to another family in the same apartment building with the same name. So she investigated because she didn't understand why her brother didn't get the cake. So she investigates and she finds out that it went to somebody else. So as a curious person, she called up this other Yitz Friedman family and she's speaking to this Mrs. Friedman and telling her how, by mistake, she didn't want her money back, but she figured, you know, I did your favor. Let me just find out the story. So this Mrs. Friedman says, you don't understand. That cake, that cake wasn't just a bakery cake. That cake was a miracle. What? A miracle? A cake? You don't understand. Please explain it to me. She says, my brother and his sister have not been on speaking terms for years. And it's silliness. And I try to get my brother to call his sister, and he's stubborn, and he won't call. They don't talk to each other, and it's terrible. Siblings that don't talk to each other, what a tragedy. And then all of a sudden, this cake shows up. And the baker says to my husband, it's from your sister. My brother says, from my sister? Send me a cake. Yeah, yeah, she was in the bakery today. She said, please send this cake to my sister, to my brother. Okay. So my husband takes the cake inside. And I talked to him and I said, look, I know you and your sister haven't spoken for years, but your sister sent you a cake. Obviously, she wants to rebuild a broken relationship. The least you could do is call her. So my brother says, you're right. You're right. Such silliness, we don't talk over such petty things, which is usually what they are. He calls his sister, and he says, Dear sister, thank you for sending me the cake. I really appreciate it. So nice of you to, to, to stretch out the olive branch. So thoughtful. And his sister said, I didn't send you a cake. I should have sent you a cake, but I didn't send you a cake. But if all it takes is a cake that we should get back talking... So we obviously have a lot to, to learn, but now we're on the phone. Let's let bygones be bygones. Let's get back to talking. 
we're brother, sister, we should be able to love each other and not fight for silly reasons. And this Mrs. Friedman continued, and they're talking again. That cake, money cannot buy whatever you paid. For this, what you did for us, you didn't know you did it for us. But I just wanted to tell you how amazing it is. And we were telling this story. We started the story in the last show. We talked about sibling rivalry a little bit. And uh, we talked about how Miriam really wanted to help Moses, but instead she uh, she was going overboard. And even that she was punished. But But siblings need to take care of each other. What do they say? Blood is thicker than water. Right? In other words, at the end of the day, you may have a lot of friends. You may think you have a lot of friends. But at the end of the day, family is really where it's at. And if, God forbid, you're not on speaking terms with someone, you're not as friendly as you should be, then uh, then you need to do something about that. You need to make a phone call. You need to send a cake. You need to do something so that you can have a relationship. Now, you may have an, you know, you might be ambivalent. You know, yeah, we talk, uh, holiday time, we send cards. That's really not good enough. I'm not saying you got to call them every day. I'm not even saying you got to call them once a week, but you got to make sure they're on your radar. You got to share happy things with them. You got to share sad things with them. They're family. Family is nothing like family. Okay, that was the last show. We are now continuing to talk about Paris Baloscha, we're going to talk trumpets. Now, when you think of trumpets, what comes to mind? Probably a king making a proclamation. See all those long trumpets with those uh, flags hanging down from them. Maybe you think nowadays of a sporting event. Maybe you think about noise. So in this week's Torah portion, we actually learn a lot about trumpets, and it is fascinating. It's all the different ideas, concepts, things that are happening and what the trumpets represent. So first of all, Moses is told to make trumpets, and he uses them like two trumpets, and he blows one, and, and the elders come, he blows two, and the Jewish people come. They blow the tkia, true tkia, right, the long blast, the staccato, and then the long blast again, that means the Jewish people are starting to travel. So it's used for gathering. It's used to inform people it's time to travel. It's also used to inform people it's time to stop traveling. Um, it says in the verse that when they would bring sacrifices, they would blow trumpets. Sometimes a trumpet and a chauffeur on the holidays, on fast days. They were also used, and this is something else, maybe we don't think about it as much, uh, trumpets are used for war, right? When you're either calling the people to go to war, when the battle is going, maybe you're calling the soldiers back to retreat. So t- the trumpet is an instrument used in war. So at the end of the day, the trumpet shows authority, it shows discipline, and it shows royalty, right? Proclamations from kings, gathering people to come listen to Moses. The the trumpet's a lot of stuff. So interesting, Maimonides talks about this, others talk about it. Um, You have these two words here. We have the tekiah, which is the long blast. You have the trua, which is the broken up, whether it's three medium size or nine short ones, whichever one it is. Um, If you think about it, we're going to take apart, we're going to take it slow and take apart what 
these different sounds represent. And, uh, and hopefully we can tie it all up and give us a package of why the trumpet is used and why different sounds are used when the trumpet's being used. And again, trumpet and shofar, a lot is interchangeable over here. In the temple, it wasn't so interchangeable. Moses has two silver trumpets. It's not interchangeable. But overall, the trumpet and shofar will be um, interchangeable. The Hebrew word for trumpet happens to be chatzotros, but that's neither here nor there for us. So let's think about it like this. The teruah, the broken up, right, is, first of all, it represents justice, or it could represent the groans, the complaining of war, while tekiah, the long blast, happens to show mercy, a need for quiet, collecting thoughts, and also strength and victory. And now we're going to take it a step further. The word tekiah, the Hebrew word tekiah, um, could come from the root tekoa, which means like to stick a peg in the ground. There's a it's planted, like you plant a stake. You, right when we plant a stake, this is where the family's going to live. This is where we're starting our business. This is where we're starting our farm, right? So that's a sign of togetherness. So this long blast, which shows togetherness, also shows victory, right? Victory rolled together, right? Shows strength, usually. It's a place where I can just sit by myself. I'm not running, right? So the tekiah... That long blast is all the sounds that represent, um, again, victory, peace, I'm, I'm in control. Very interesting word, right? Teruah, um, the center of the word teruah is ra. Ra means bad, not ra, ra, ra. Ra means bad or evil, right? So because all these things broken apart, right, all these broken apart sounds a little bit represents bad, right? I want things all together. When things are all separated, we lost the war. Things are bad. Maybe times are troubling, right? So what happens when we blow both? So we, when we blow both, we're saying things could be good, things could be bad. So if things are bad, you want to fix that. So repent, and now things will look out, right? So we have the tekiah on the outsides, the true on the inside, because, yes, sometimes we trip up, but we can fix it. That's this concept of repentance. Now, we're going to take it a little bit further. There's an Abar Benel. He says, when it comes to repentance, right, we need to remember we did something wrong, Right? We don't forget what happened. We need to remember what's happened in the past, and we need to repent. But both options are open. I could remember. I could forget. So when we're in trouble, maybe there's an invading army coming. Right? Maybe times aren't so good. Right? So we're going to blow the chauffeur, and we're going to remember, we're going to repent, and that really revolves all around the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, but it happens to be in this week's Torah portion, talks about trumpets, so I figured I would have a few minutes to like sort of take a deep dive into what we're accomplishing with the chauffeur. So again, but overall, right, what's happening? Overall, um, the, 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 I, the concept behind this trumpet and chauffeur is that I need to know what I want. I want times to be good. I want us to all be together. 
I don't want things to be broken up. I don't want things to be bad. How do I keep things good? I repent. Throughout um, the when the Jewish people entered the land of Israel, for sure those first 365 years, and then again later after King David and King Solomon. So we have over and over, the Jewish people are good, everybody's at peace, everything is good, everybody has their land, everybody has their farms. Then the Jewish people sin. Maybe they do idol worship. And then the invading armies come. Then times are bad. Then they repent. Then a judge comes or a leader comes and they and they uh, they take care of that invading whatever army, country, whoever it was. And the, and the cycle keeps repeating itself. And maybe that's the cycle of a chauffeur. One after another, after another. All part of that same cycle. So that's gives it a little bit of a feeling that these trumpets that Moses is blowing, he's gathering the people together, and the people are traveling, right? We're traveling, we're like broken apart, right? We gather, right? We stop traveling all together. He needs to bring everybody in. We're all together. So these are all different facets, just interesting things that we could try to wrap our head around. So we're talking about blowing the chauffeur. So the chauffeur always reminds me of noise. When I practice at home, it's a little early in the season to practice, usually about a month, three weeks before the high holidays. For Rosh Hashanah, I started to practice, and the chauffeur I like to use is a real powerful one. I bought myself one a few years ago, really powerful. I could just shake the walls. It's a lot of noise. I'm sure people in the streets can hear all that noise. So noise reminds me of really a great story. So I think this story is actually right after Rosh Hashanah takes place, right after the high holidays. There was a large group of people that had come, I believe, to B'nai Brak, and they wanted to go back to Jerusalem after Rosh Hashanah. So there's always this last bus. Yeah, it's not like, I don't know, the cities you live in. like, But in Israel, you know, busing, people do a lot of traveling by by, by busing. And, and there's routes and times and... and People get nervous. Anyways, you have this very large group of people that are easily going to fill up a whole bus. And they are waiting for the 402 to take them back to Jerusalem. And it's scheduled to come at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock comes and goes, 10.15, 10.20. People start getting nervous. People start making phone calls, calling the bus company. Where's the bus? Where's the bus? you got to send us a bus. Where's the bus? Where's the bus? 10.20, 10 10.30, 10 10.40. 10 People are getting antsy. We're going to be stuck here all night. What's going on? And they're calling, calling, calling. It's 11 o'clock already. It's an hour late, and people are fuming. All of a sudden, they see a bus coming up to the bus stop, but this bus has the numbers, and on the top of the bus says 318 to Rechavot. The bus stops. No one's getting on the bus to Rechavot. So they said, hey, Mr. Bus Driver, we need a favor. We need a favor. We're all going to Jerusalem. There's nobody here for a chavot. Change your number. Make yourself into the 402 and take us to Jerusalem. So the bus driver says, I wish I could. I could get in big trouble. I'm the 318. Even if no one's here, I still got to drive to a chavot. It's, it's, my, it's my scheduled drive. I can't be the 402. I'm the 318. Please, please. And they're begging and pleading. Please. He says, you're going to get me in big trouble. No, 
I know, but please, we're all so desperate. We're here. We're going to be here all night long. They're supposed to send it. Maybe you could call in and ask. So finally, he says, uh, okay. He changes his number to the front of the bus, and he lets them all in, and he drives to Jerusalem. As they're pulling into Jerusalem, one of the passengers says to the bus driver, hey, buddy, who are we fooling over here? You can't hide. Every bus has a GPS. The dispatchers know exactly where every bus is. They see you coming. They know where you came from. How are you not going to get in trouble? So the bus driver says, you're right. You're right. Uh, what happened was something happened, and they forgot to send the regular scheduled 10 o'clock bus um, the, from B'nai Brak to Jerusalem. But none of the bus drivers wanted to go. Already going to be half an hour, 45 minutes late. I was an hour, right? I got there by 11. No one wanted to go. Everyone said, I'm going to go. There's going to be 100 people there. They're going to be yelling and screaming at me like it's my fault. It's not my fault. They're not going to believe me. I'm not interested. It's not my job. I'm not interested. And the dispatch is begging, pleading. So finally I said, look, I'm willing to go on one condition. Yeah, what's the condition? The condition is you let me change the number. I'm the 402. I need to pretend I'm the 318. What will that help? Because no one's going to yell at me. I'm doing them a favor. I'm not supposed to be going to Jerusalem. I tell them, go to Rechavot. Oh, they beg and plead and beg and plead. Now they're going to yell at me? Yeah, they can't yell at me. Right? Like what an amazing psychology from uh, a bus driver. And the bus driver turns around and smiles and says, and it worked. So just as a, an amazing, just amazing thought, right, that sometimes, like the chauffeur, right, sometimes we make a lot of noise. And when you make a lot of noise, no one wants to hang out with you. You're in an office, and there's always that person that's making a lot of noise, a lot of complaining. What happens? No one wants to talk to you. We had to make a change to somebody's ad, and people were worried. The person would be all insulted. I said, give me the piece of paper. I'm going to take care of it right now. I go and explain to the person, um, we don't like the line. We, would you mind if we take it out? No problem. Take it out. Right? But that's what happens. People that make a lot of noise, right? no one wants to hang out with them. Right? It's like an amazing thought. Right? We always have to find a way to make sure this person is not making a lot of noise. Now, the chauffeur's a little different. The chauffeur, we actually want that noise. But if you ever remember, when we're hearing the chauffeur, it's always very quiet. Before that chauffeur starts blowing, you could hear a pin drop. It's quiet. And then the chauffeur blows, and that's the only sound. And that sound has a beautiful message, right? All the things we've been talking about till now. But if you're the person who's always making noise and there is no message, the only message is that you complain, you quetch, you who knows what. So nobody wants to talk to you. So it's just a very interesting concept. Talking about noise, talking about good noise, talking about noise which is, uh, as we say, not so good. So uh, let's get one more, not a story really, but talking about this week's story portion, Talking about noise, complaining, grumbling. Unfortunately, that was something the Jewish people were very good at in the desert. 
So the so the in this week's Torah portion it again describes the special food. In the in the last show we spent a lot of time talking people complaining about meat. They had this special heavenly spiritual food called the man, and uh, and the Torah actually describes what it looks like, what it tasted like, and very interesting. The Torah gives a very clear description of what the man looked like. It says it was like a coriander seed, but it was a bright white. And I have in my class, actually, I have uh, a jar. It's probably 20 years old. And what I do is, I, um, whenever we study the Torah portion that deals with this special food, the man, I walk around and I give each child, each boy, a coriander seed. Because it's unusual looking. It looks like a basketball. And some of them taste it, and I tell them not to taste it. I say, it probably doesn't taste very good. It's a spice. It's supposed to be ground up. But these are kids, not poison. They taste it. It probably tastes like nothing. It's so old and stale. Um, anyways, the real question is, who cares what the man look like? Who cares? So very interesting. Um, God tells Moses to tell Aaron um, in this week's Torah portion, take a jar. I'm sorry. Way back in B'Shalach, he tells him, take a jar the measurement, a normal day's measurement of one. Now, normally, the mun only lasted overnight. Now, as you weren't allowed to keep the mun to the next day, it was part of working on everybody's um, belief system, their trust in God, that when you went to sleep at night, the cupboards were bare. I tell my class, I tell everybody this. You know, people walk into the house, I do this, you open the fridge, open the freezer, open the pantry, open the cabinet, Eh, there's nothing here to eat. What do you mean, nothing? There's food. One time in my life, I remember my wife telling me she walked into a friend's apartment and there was a half a jar of peanut butter and maybe a few slices of bread. That was the only food in the whole house. That house was beer. But most people do not live that way. Most people, there's food in the house where, for the most part, as a nation, we're wealthier. And the only food... That uh, when you say there's no food, you mean there's nothing that I want to eat. But there's always food. So God wanted to work on the Jewish people's belief system. And what he did was, if any mun that was left over to the next day immediately spoiled in the morning, smelled, rotted, you couldn't eat it. So you were forced to basically have empty cabinets every day. This was the belief system. So in any case... So um, God tells Moses, tell Aaron, you're going to take a jar, fill it up with mun, and this mun um, is going to be put away. As even though normally the mun will spoil the next morning, this mun will not spoil. This mun will be left over till um, forever. So what was the need for it? So the need for it was as follows. In the time of Jeremiah, so the Jewish people were, you know, the temple was still around, and the people were not studying Torah properly. God wanted them to spend more time spending uh, working on Torah. Jeremiah would tell the people, Yirmiyonav, he would say, how come you guys aren't studying? And they said, come on. We, we, we have a law. We got, we got to make money. We need to earn a living. We don't got time for Torah. So, Yermio says to them, God could take care of you, just like he did in the desert. Now, you know, there's a thing called show and tell, right? There's something powerful to seeing something. 
so this jar was kept near the ark, near the Aaron. So I guess he went into the Holy of Holies, the Kosh He brings out the jar, must have been glass, and he shows them this jar and says, this is the mun. This is that special spiritual food that God gave the Jewish people to support them while they were in the desert. So if you want to sit and study, God will support you. It's not a problem. There's no problem. Now, if if the uh, if the mun didn't look unusual, then they'd say you just got a, a pile of beans and pretending it's mun. Anyways, the music is playing. Hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you for so wonderful sponsor. Listen to I can't do without you. That one production team. We have David, Cisco, Andy, and Jenna in the back. I'm going to listen to food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. Ha! <laughs>